We'll turn to Psalm 16 this morning. I can remember one time, probably in the lower elementary grades, I'm not sure how old I was, I just remember one time Dad took me with him hunting out in the fields and in the hills of West Virginia. And uh, we were walking along, and I don't know if you've ever seen one of those shows or cartoon where you the, the the characters are walking along and suddenly they recognize that they've been there before right and so we're walking along and we're seeing the same trees uh, and the same places as we're going along and <clears throat> and I said dad I think we've been here before and he goes yeah we have and uh, <clears throat> so then we walk on and we go on well it was years later I, I said, Dad, you remember that time we were in the forest and, you know, we, we walked around forever, it seemed like. He says, yeah, he said, I didn't tell you at the time, son, but we were lost. <laughs> now, we were both lost in the woods, but I was unconcerned because I was with my dad. And I trusted him that wherever we were, didn't matter if we were in the woods or in the fields or in the home, Dad was there. Everything was going to be okay. And uh, it was his presence that was a comfort to me, regardless of my situation. And in Psalm 16, we find a very relatable psalm here. King David is very vague as to what has troubled him in verse 1. He just says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge some troublesome time in life and he's looking to God for safety for comfort Uh, just like a child that seeks their parents presence in uncertain times so too we should seek the Lord's presence for refuge many many of you maybe Maybe you weren't like me and kind of wandered in the store when I was young in the grocery store, but you ever had one of those experiences where like suddenly you, you want your parents, maybe you seek some kind of shady character or whatever, and you're, you're like, wait a minute, where's, where's mom, right? And so then we start, we didn't have cell phones back then, so we had to start walking down the aisles and you, you got at the top of one aisle and you walked and you look, right? And you're just going, 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 trying to find your parents, you you start, you're starting to get troubled and concerned, and you want to be close to them. Just like, a, just like a child seeks their parents' presence for comfort in uncertain times, we should seek the Lord's presence for refuge. And David instructs us on how we can experience the presence of the Lord in this life, even in the most anxious circumstances. I would say this morning, you can experience the Lord's presence in this life, even When life is tough. Look at Psalm 16, verses 2 through 4, where we see that you can experience the Lord's presence when you loyally serve the Master by delighting in His people. Psalm 16, verse 2, he says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Now, if you're not paying real close attention, you you won't notice In the English translations, we have uh, a little difference there in the two words, Lord. 
The first word, Lord, I say to the Lord, is in all capital letters. And so that's the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's the covenant name of God. So David is speaking to Yahweh. But then he says, you are my Lord. And you'll notice it's capital L with a lowercase O-R-D. And that's the Hebrew word Adonai. It's master, master. So if we make that differentiation as we read this again, we read, I say to Yahweh, you are my master. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out nor take their names on my lips. We see here that you can experience the presence of the Lord when you loyally serve the master by delighting in his people. As Christians, we are to love those who are loved by God. But David starts off here with a statement of allegiance to Yahweh as his master, where good is to be found. And then there's this delight in God's people. In 1 John 5, 1, we read this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. As Christians, we are to love one another. The, the way of the world is birds of a feather flock together. We, we like and we love the people who love us back. But as Christians, we're to love the people that God loved and showed his salvation to. And some of you are ornery. But we love because God loved. Some are harder to love than others, but we're to love. We have that persevering love for one another because God loved us. We are to love those who are loved by God. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Also, John thirteen thirty five. Jesus says this by by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another, this one another love is what we are to display to the world. They are going to see that we are not like them, loving whoever loves us back and being kind to the people we prefer, in that we love all Christians, even the ones difficult to love, maybe even the ones who aren't on the same social status as us or financial status as us. We love regardless of those things. So we have our allegiance to our master We delight in the Lord's people and we renounce the ways of the ungodly where there's multiplied sorrow instead of good. And on your hand out there, I have a little picture and it it says uh, Yahweh with the little kind of star of David there. That's that's his presence. And then outside of his presence is nothing but sorrow. It's not good. You run away from the presence of the Lord. It's just bad. And that's what he's getting at in verse four. when he says the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. This world is running headlong following their gods or their formulation of God. And it leads to sorrow. So we are to renounce that way. We are to renounce the ways of the ungodly. And we are to be loyal to the Lord. 
because that's where good is to be found. When times are difficult, though, the tendency we have is try to escape our circumstances. But to escape the circumstances that the Lord has brought us to means that we run away from the Lord's presence. It would have been like if I would have realized in the woods that day, if, if dad would have said, well, son, we're lost. And I would have just bolted, started running through the woods. Well, you don't know where we're at. I'm going. But see, the Lord's never lost. Right. And so whatever circumstance he's brought us to, he will bring us through. But our natural reaction is to try to get out of it, try to escape our circumstances. And, and, and when we do that, we are tempted to use the world's ways to get what we want instead of what the Lord wants. And we run away from the Lord's presence and there's no good away from the Lord's presence. Only good is with the Lord. So what does verse four tell us is that away from the Lord's presence is only multiplied sorrows. It's why in Hebrews 10, in the book of Hebrews, it's written to people who are being persecuted and shunned by their former community. And they are, they are tempted to go running back to Judaism. And he says in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Because in verse 3, he says, as for the saints of the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Delight in the ones whom the Lord has loved. In their presence, there's comfort. Because as we gather, the Lord gathers with us. The place to find good is with the Lord and his people. So loyally serve the Lord and delight in his people, you can experience the Lord's presence when you loyally serve the master by delighting in his people, but also as you trust his provision for you. Look at Psalm 16, verses five and six it says here in verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You can experience the presence of the Lord when you trust his provision. The Lord here, the psalmist states, is my provision. He's my portion and my cup. He's, he's making a statement like the Levitical priest did. And uh, I've given you there a picture of the land of Israel. Now, I understand it's small. I'm not giving it to you so you can read it and study it. I just want you to see that. What happened when they came into the land is they they portioned it off and then they cast lots to see which tribe would get which portion of land. OK, and so that map, you'll see little dotted lines and those are the different tribes. And they determined which tribe would go where by the lot that was cast. We see that in Numbers thirty three fifty four. It says. You shall inherit the land by lot according to your clans. To a large tribe, you shall give a large inheritance. To a small tribe, you'll give a small inheritance. 
Wherever the lot falls for anyone, that shall be his. According to the tribes of your fathers, you shall inherit. And then he is, uh, so the inheritance comes by the lot. And he says there in verse 5, you hold my lot. So where we're at in our life is held by the Lord. And so there's this trusting in where he's placed us. And he says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And he's saying here, the Lord is my inheritance. In verse 6, I have a beautiful inheritance. And that's like the Levitical priest. You see, the Levites didn't get any of those portions. They were the Lord's. Deuteronomy 18, verses 1 and 2 says, The Levitical priest, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. And so when David says he is my chosen portion and my cup, he's claiming that the Lord is his inheritance. And he calls the whole nation a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Because David is making a claim. David's of which tribe? Anybody remember? Somebody said it. it, Say it louder. Judah. He's of the tribe of Judah, but he's kind of making a claim that's like the Levitical priests. But if we if we read there in Exodus 19, and I've given that to you on the back of your handout, Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6. It says, while Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to those of the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, in other words, show loyalty to the master, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But we're not not under the Mosaic law anymore. Can a Christian claim these same priestly promises that the Lord is our provision and our inheritance? Well, Peter thought so. In 1 Peter 2.9, he says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, we brought, we've been brought into the new covenant. And so the Lord is our inheritance and he is, we are his possession. And so he provides for us. Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. It says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first as the highest priority in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. If you follow after the Lord and serve him with your life, he will provide your food and your clothing. He promised to seek His kingdom first. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Romans 8, 28, we know that 
For those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You can experience the presence of the Lord when you trust his provision. Every circumstance in your life is serving a purpose that the master has planned for good. Even the difficult circumstances of life. The Lord is our good master and our inheritance. We can trust him with our lives in any circumstance, even the difficult ones. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. A difficult circumstance indeed. But when he was tempted to provide for himself after fasting 40 days and 40 nights and coming off Thanksgiving, that just sounds impossible, right? Matthew 4, verses 2 through 4. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He is presented with a difficult situation. He is given a, a situation where he should question the Lord's provision. And then he's given an opportunity to be provided for, but he knows it's wrong. So he chooses to trust the Lord. When times are difficult, the tendency we have is to try to escape our circumstances. But to escape our circumstances that the Lord has brought us to means that we run away from the Lord's presence. And there's no good away from the Lord's presence. The lot of our life is in the Lord's hands and he can be trusted. The Lord is our good master and our inheritance. We can trust him with our lives in any circumstance. But you can also experience the presence of the Lord in difficult circumstances when you follow his ways. Look at verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 16. When we follow his ways, he says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. You can experience the presence of the Lord when you follow his ways. He says here that I take counsel of the Lord. How can we as Christians take counsel of the Lord? Well, he gives us three sources. There's the scriptures, right? If you're not reading the scriptures, I encourage you to get on some type of plan and be reading through the scriptures. You say, Pastor, I try to read every day, but then I miss a day or two. Well, then don't quit. Just next day, pick it up. Read it. Don't quit. Don't quit. The Scriptures, it's where we find wisdom. But also, we find wisdom with the saints. We get counsel from one another. And I encourage you, like I said last week, a couple weeks, wasn't last week, Pastor Tad preached, but a couple weeks ago, I said, We tend to look for counsel from people we think will agree with us. Don't do that. Look for counsel from someone who will be honest with you. Get counsel from the saints. So the scriptures, the saints, and then there's the spirit. Follow the leading of the spirit. Check those fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you experiencing those things? If not, dig a little deeper. Find out why not. I take counsel of the Lord via the scriptures, the saints and the spirit. But then it says at night I meditate upon or at night my heart instructs me. It is good in the evening 
to meditate upon the day that you've just had in light of the Lord's character. Okay, Remember that he is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. Personally, I like every night when I lay down at night and my head hits the pillow, the last thing I like to do for the day before I go to sleep is I like to look back at the day and and thank God specifically for the different events that happened that day. And if I feel like I've misstepped, I ask forgiveness of him for where I didn't maybe handle a situation correctly. But I want to look back on my day and recognize God's sovereignty over that day. My circumstances are in his control. How did I handle it? What am I thankful for? What am I grateful for? You find yourself being grateful for flat tires or different things, uh, you know, and things that you don't really want to be thankful for even necessarily, but that you also are trusting that God is going to use and work in your life. And it helps us to recognize that he is our master. And then he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. It's an interesting situation here. He's He says, I keep the Lord in my sights and I follow him because in his presence I will not be shaken. We always want to, you know, when we're following somebody uh, in in a car or whatever, we try to keep them in sight. Right. We don't want to fall too far behind. That's the way it is here. He says, I want to keep the Lord in my sights. I want to follow him. Follow the spirits leading Paul talks about. Because when we're following, we're following where he wants us to be. Trusting him in those circumstances. In his presence, we shall not be shaken because he is at my right hand. Now, that's that's the place of power is the right hand. When we follow the Lord, he'll be our strength. As we follow the Lord, his presence is with us. Now, let us consider then the Great Commission. It's what Jesus wants us to be doing. How are we doing on that? It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. His presence is with us to the end of the age. He's placed his spirit within us to lead us and guide us. But are we on mission Are we making disciples by giving the gospel, by guarding the gospel, and by growing Christians? What part are you playing in that? Are you following the Lord? Following His ways? When times are difficult, the tendency we have is to try to escape our circumstances. But to escape our circumstances that the Lord has brought us to means that when we run away from the Lord's presence, there will be no good. But when you follow the Lord's counsel, he'll be your strength. What he brings you to, he will bring you through. You see, it's the Lord's presence, not my circumstances, that determine my actions. So I act according to the counsel of the Spirit, the Scriptures, and the saints. It's the Lord's presence that determines my actions. Then look at verses 9 and 10, and we see a proper response to the Lord's presence. He's he's ran to the Lord for refuge in verse one. And he's working through this and he's delighting. 
in the presence of the Lord's saints and following His ways. He's grateful for the situation that God has put him in. And he begins, his spirit begins to perk up here. He says, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, the place of the dead, or let your Holy One see corruption. Here's a proper response to the Lord's presence, even in difficult situations. Gladness, joy and security. Why? Because there is a resurrection to the Lord's presence. But notice verse 10 again. You'll not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. That may sound familiar to you. This is a messianic psalm that predicts the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. Both Peter and Paul quote this verse in defense of the resurrection of the Messiah. You see, David's body was buried and it decayed, but not the Messiah. He was in a borrowed tomb. He didn't need it for very long. Just as David's life somewhat reflected this psalm, Jesus' life perfectly reflected this psalm. So let's consider for a moment the life of Christ in the light of Psalm 16. And remember, Jesus did all this so that if we repent of our sins and place our faith in the resurrected Christ's sacrifice for our sins, we will have eternal life with God. Jesus loyally served the Father and humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus delighted in God's people, telling them, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus sanctified God's people and is unashamed to call him his brothers. And he stands with them, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. You see, Jesus loyally served the Father by delighting in God's people. Jesus, when he faced temptation through hunger, said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. When tempted to test God, to see if God was really with him in his trials, Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When offered the kingdoms of this world without having to endure the brutality of the cross, he said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus did not run from God in his trials, but God trusted God through his trials. Jesus trusted the Lord's provision by entrusting his life to the Father's direction. When facing the thought of his imminent trial and crucifixion, when his soul was very sorrowful, even to death, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Not as I will, but as you will. And if this cannot pass when unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus did not run from God in his troublesome circumstances, but trusted God through his troublesome circumstances. Jesus trusted the Lord's provision by entrusting his life to the father's direction. Jesus said this, he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus always followed the father's ways. The father's presence, not his circumstances, determined Jesus' actions. And the father resurrected the son in whom he was well pleased. 
That is why we are to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, notice, though, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Note that Jesus did not rejoice or take delight in the cross. He endured it. He despised it. But he delighted in the Father as he went through his crucifixion. We can follow that same example. Life's difficult circumstances come and we don't just grin and bear it. God's given us laments to help us with these difficult situations and things. And and we can despise the fact that our tires go flat, but we can rejoice that God was with us through the circumstance. We, we, can, we can have that bad diagnosis from the doctor. We can find out that we have cancer, but we don't delight in cancer. It, we can endure it. We can despise it. But you can rejoice in the presence of the Lord as you delight in His people, walk in His ways, and delight in the fact that He walks with you through your cancer, through your difficulty, whatever they may be, whether it's a job loss, family difficulties, whatever the case, delight in God's people, follow His way. Because of the presence of the Lord, we can rejoice in any circumstance of life. And say with Paul that it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He won't leave us in the grave. There's a resurrection coming. You can be glad and rejoice even in difficult circumstances because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, let's look at the last verse. Psalm 16, and we'll conclude. In this last verse, we see a path of life that leads to eternal pleasures. He says in verse 11, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Remember that you can experience the presence of the Lord in this life, even when it's tough, and there is a path of life to follow. And the Lord goes with us on that path, but every path leads to somewhere. And this path of life that God leads us on leads to an everlasting life of joy and pleasure in the presence of the Lord. Joy and pleasure in the Lord. All these things down here that are troublesome won't be there in heaven. No more sickness, no more pain. No graves on that bright shore. Only joy in the presence forevermore. In the Lord's presence, there's a refuge where you can experience joy and pleasure, stability and gladness, rejoicing and security, despite your circumstances. All these things are mentioned in this psalm. So, for us, we've now been through a pandemic. Some are still dealing with difficulties from that. There are job situations, college decisions, difficulties in high school, difficulties with parents, 
enemies in your life that want to take advantage of you. There are our life situations, whether you're single, you're married or you're divorced or widowed. There are financial difficulties. There's peer pressure, cancer, moving to a new area, the loss of a spouse, going through a rough spot in marriage, a child choosing to follow a sinful lifestyle. In all these, Satan would have you to believe that God is not good. But what did verse 2 express? There is no good apart from the Lord. What does verse 11 say? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In all of life's situations, focus on following the Lord and taking pleasure in Him while you go through the circumstances of life that He has placed you in. Don't be disappointed in the Lord because of your circumstances and run from Him. Rather, delight in the Lord and His people as you go through your circumstances with Him. Like a child walking with their parents draws near to them when the situation gets scary, so should we draw nearer to the Lord when we face the difficulties of life that He has brought us to. Truly, 